It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to the show and what a week it has been for Australian golf and superstar Min Ji Lee winning her second major in emphatic style at the US Open as I welcome my co-host Mark Allen, great to have you back, former touring professional and also Martin Blake, media manager for Australian Golf. Marco, you've played the biggest stage in a major. You know what it <laughs> takes to win a professional tournament, let yeah, alone a major. Yeah. How big is this? It's, it's the biggest thing that's going to happen in Australian Golf this year. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, we're all going crazy with Ash Barty winning Wimbledon last year because Wimbledon's the biggest uh, tennis grand slam. This is women's biggest. This is the holy grail. This is the masters for men. This is the number one. This is something that I imagine she dreamt about her entire life. And Blakey, you know what's been great this week? To see Minji Lee on the back page of a lot of our Finally. papers right around the Finally. country, which has been fantastic to see. Nice to see you. You don't think there's some work gone into that. I tell you, you know, we've, we've been – this goes back years because we're, we're yep. at, at Golf Australia and now Australian Golf because we're all together. Um, We've we've always felt that Minji was was worthy of more coverage than what yep. she was getting yep. in Australia. Now, why that is, I don't know. She's fairly quiet. Yep, she's reserved in her public appearances, even though she's you know she's got a good personality in that. But uh, you know, she wasn't necessarily great with media when she started out. So uh, you know. To finally see that today, to pick up the papers here in it's Melbourne. Great. I haven't even looked at the West Australian in Perth, Cover- but that'll yeah, be Well, it was coverage. everywhere. Full coverage. I, n- I know this, yep. that she's going on tomorrow. She's got, It's it's uh, Tuesday today. She's going on CNN tomorrow, BBC. There you go. Uh, Sky, New- Sky News in England. She's on every breakfast show in Australia tomorrow. Great stuff. And she's doing a full all-in press with Australian media. So, you know, finally people are waking up that this – this woman is sensational. She is fantastic. We'll get into her psyche in a moment when we speak with Brad James, head of high performance here at Golf Australia. But that was the biggest purse in women's yeah. golf in <laughs> history. Ten million US. She won one point eight million US, which is two point five million Australian dollars. <laughs> this is massive, and it was a commitment to double the purse from last year to this year. This is just a, a massive thing for women's sport. Oh, no, it is great, and yeah, I can remember we were all gushing about it when we heard the news uh, when this podcast started at the start of the year. We were thinking, wow, how good is that? We didn't know that an Australian was going to win. Um, just, uh, by the way, uh, an Australian's won both the biggest purses Correct. in yes. golf now because Cameron Smith won the biggest purse when it was at the Players' Championship earlier in the year. But if we're going to talk a little bit um, and gush about the way she played, um, obviously the scoring record was enormous and the win by four Four. shots I think was fantastic as well. But her mental ability to hold those par putts early in the round, you can say what you like about the birdie birdie start, that's fantastic, but when you're being pushed and you've got to hold a couple of 10-footers, to me, that was the most beautiful part about her round because we see it all the time, don't you? Somebody starts a tournament with a five or six shot lead or a three shot lead when it's the, when it's a US Open, and those strokes are whittled away. And once those strokes start getting whittled away, that's when the little person in your head starts going absolutely <laughs> ballistic. But she kept her little person at bay by holding. Those two 10-foot putts, which was beautiful. At least two. Well, they say she's got the best swing in the in the game, full stop, men and women's. Yep. Her putting 
Now, apparently she's gone back to a putter, not exactly the same putter, but a, a style of putter that she used to use as a child, as a young kid mm. growing up. Her, and her coach has said her putting was bordering on potentially the yips. She's gone back. They've gone back to basics and look what it's done. Yeah, it was a, it's a Scotty Cameron putter and it's an old style putter, a bit like Tiger Woods used for yeah. many, many years. I use one myself. Um, it's a, I think it's a kind of a Newport style. I could be wrong there, but it's definitely Scotty Cameron, which is the most famous putter brand in the world yep. probably. Yeah, it is. Um, one thing I noticed, Marco, I mean, I just want to give you some stats here. Yeah, come um, on. So let's, let's go through a few in things. In relation to this, because Minji, I think we always felt that she's an unbelievable hitter. She flushes it yep. every time. Yep. She doesn't get as many wins as what a lot of people expected because of her putting. But this week she picked up 2.47 shots per round on the rest of the field. So that's eight, that's eight shots for the week. Eight. Is that right? More than eight. More yeah. than eight for the week. Uh, she went, went from 144th in putting to second <laughs> in one week. <laughs> that is unbelievable. She putted the lights out. She had 22 birdies. Yeah. I think whenever Minji putts like that, she's going to win. Yeah. Um, because she hits it so well. She hits so many greens. She hit 80% of greens. Yeah. 80%. Uh, just on that too, the putting was beautiful. Um, while we're talking about her brilliance, I think there's a little bit more. On the back nine, and we all know this in this room, when the ball goes left for right-handed professionals, that's when the the little person goes a little bit haywire again. She yeah. started just tweaking a few left uh, early on the back nine, but she had the mental capacity to somehow turn off uh, and not worry too much. I mean, she got up and down a couple of times when they did go left, and quite often um, I, think, I think the real... The big one was when she hit it over the back of the 10th. She flushed her second shot and hit a chip that went too far. She only ended up making a par, which is a little bit of a headache when you've gone flush, flush. But I thought just her capacity to just hold the lefts at bay, even though she had a big lead, I mean... It, it is a major. It is the biggest tournament in the world, and I thought that was beautiful as well. Well, the enormity of the experience, uh, so many people would have crumbled under it, and she she did admit mm. that the, the nerves were there. But let's take a listen to Minji Lee after the win. You know, even with a three-shot lead, I felt like I, ne- I never felt comf- comfortable today. You know, I felt yeah. like I still needed to play well. Um, I still needed to hold my ground. So um, that's pretty much what I did, and... To start aggressively, I think it was the right um, the right move. And then after that, I had quite a big shot lead. So I was able to just play my game um, just to finish. She was able to manage manage the, the occasion to the tee. She did what she needed to do. And, and she won, as you said, Mark, by four strokes. Uh, I've heard a coach uh, talk Richie this Smith. week. Yeah, Richie Smith spoke this week about her maturity. And, and, and he put... Uh, the fact that she'd only won, only won seven times and one major before this week, like that, that's huge in itself. Um, to maturity, now, you've been watching her all the way through. You've been here at Golf Australia for a long time, Martin. Have, have you noticed her maturity? Yeah, I reckon I started watching when she was about fourteen. Uh, she won the US Girls Junior mm. when in twenty twelve. She won the Australian Amateur twenty fourteen and won it again the next year. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, she won a Vic Open when she was seventeen. She's just yes. been good all along. And she's a bit of a machine, you know. Like, yeah. I remember watching her when she was still an amateur. She nearly won the Australian Open out at Victoria mm. and would have been about 2014. And she fell away on the last day. And I thought, yeah, that's interesting how that'll impact us. So mm. that's one missing piece from her resume at the moment. She hasn't won the Australian Open, but let's hope she, she comes back and plays this year. And uh, Remember when she won uh, about three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll. 
uh, she won the Founders, and we were all talking about how this should take her to another level. Exactly. Maybe it um, has. I, I may, well, maybe it has. Maybe, you know, maybe just winning the way she did at the Founders uh, changes everything. Can I ask you one thing, Marco, just going back to the putting, because I think that's where the big difference came this week and probably over the last 12 months, mm. really. She puts left-hand low now, and that's something that she's only done in the last yeah. 12 months after being a regulation yeah. uh, putting grip prior to that. Um, what's that all about? Uh, my understanding is to take the right-hand out of the putting stroke to yeah, so, that's right. so you don't pull it left all the time? It's funny. You've both given me some information here to me and, and what I saw uh, on the coverage afterwards. They, they, Brandon Chambly spoke about the way she used to putt and they showed the way she used to putt. It looked to my mind's eye, it was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. But you're telling me that since she's gone uh, left below right that it's changed. Um, you're telling me that she's changed. Oh, the coach thought that she was bordering on the yips. Yep. So... As far as I'm concerned, if you get the he- – I, I, I hate calling him yips. Okay. So I think it's, heebie-jeebies. So it's, a, it's a dangerous word to use yeah. if you love golf. Right? If you've got the heebie-jeebies with the putter, um, the best advice these days of the best coaches is you've actually got to completely do something that turns things upside down. And whether that's, you know, leaning the shaft on your forehand, whether it's like Nico Hearn's gone the putting right-handed now when he was a left-hander. You've got to do something drastic, and and believe me, if you've putted with your right below left your whole life, going the other way does feel very very strange. Yeah. But if you've got the right people behind you, and they make sure that you are practicing correctly with a new technique, um, you only have to hold a few putts early in the week, and you start to believe. And and we all know, we all understand sport in this room. Once belief sets in that you know if you continually see putts going in like obviously Minji has this week and uh, three weeks ago at the Founders once you've got belief uh, well the world's your oyster Six Australians have won multiple majors mm. you know. She's the six Kari Webb Peter Thompson Greg Norman Jan Stevenson yeah. David Graham Minji Lee That's not a bad list Tiff I wanted to ask you something uh, the inspiration value for young women and young girls your own daughter Vivian watched this with you you got up what did you get up at? I got up at three o'clock. I set the alarm and uh, and and watched her tee off, and and then I fell asleep so, somewhere, sort of maybe around <laughs> about six something, and I probably missed one or two holes. And then I heard little footsteps come in, and Vivian jumped on the couch with me, and and we watched it. And so she was asking, "What does that mean? And and you know, yeah. what is what is the nice. what is the one hundred? What's the over? And and what does the seventy mean? And all this. It was great to to chat mm. with her and and the interest. And then we were getting close to school. And I was like, you know what, you're going to watch this. Because I remember, she's seven, yeah. I remember being eight and watching the Olympics and I remember being around that time when it really started to form in my mind what I wanted to be and having idols and, and what it meant to see them perform yeah. on the biggest stage. And I wanted her to see it and she watched and she was like, go Lee. And I said, no, her name's Minji. Oh, go Minji Lee, go <laughs> Minji. And so and she watched the putt go in yeah. and then she started doing this victory dance and she went to school and she told me that she talked to her friends about it. So that was that's yeah, the inspiration beautiful. that you see and that's what we're trying to do here in Australian yeah. golf obviously and across the world I mean golf in terms of you know increasing the prize pool they're looking they're going to go to Pebble Beach next year it'll be 12 million US the prize Isn't next that good year. to go on the Pebble Beach I want to take you through this in 1947 Betty Jamison who won won 1.2 well, actually won $1200 of 7500 <laughs> then in 2000 Kari Webb when she won the first of her two US majors 
one half a million of two point seven five. That's good cash. In two thousand and nineteen, Jung Lee won one million, which was awesome, of five and a half. And then, yeah. of course, Minji. It is huge. Minji talked about wanting to be that source of inspiration, which is the first time I've really heard her say it. Let's have a listen to what she said. I think this will be huge for all the little girls and even the boys and the children watching. Um, I know there's been a really big boom in WA. Um, the girls have been a lot more interested in playing, so hopefully they've watched me on TV and I can be a good role model to them and they'll start getting more involved. So we've talked about yeah. how, how amazing this has been. I want to get into her psyche, into her mind, with a man who has known from all the way through as being a teenager. Brad James is our cherry-picked. That's right after this. Time now for our cherry picked on the back of Min G Lee's major win, which is absolutely brilliant. It's fabulous to welcome Head of High Performance at Golf Australia, Brad James. You've known Min G since she was 13 years old. Can you take us back to that first moment you met her and what your initial thoughts were? Yes, the first time I actually watched Min G play was at the Australian 2010 Australian Junior at Newcastle Golf Club. Fantastic golf course. And the, the first thing that really struck me about Minji was the love and passion she had for the game. She bounced around. She walked down the fairway just with love and joy. She was just so <laughs> happy to be out there. It was probably about 10 degrees. It was raining and it was cold. Um, but I could see that one, someone that had a real love for the game. And that's something that really stood out. Me and I think everyone that was around her, that well, he's a, a young thirteen-year-old female who's out there, not a care in the world, mm. just wants to play golf and wants to compete. Um, that was probably the first thing that stood out for me. Uh, we've all got our moments. Obviously, you've watched uh, from the first to the eighteenth yesterday. Yes. incredibly invested with all your players, which is you know, just so wonderful to see and to hear about. Um, my moments were. Uh, the two par putts mid-round. I thought that, you know, we've all seen three-shot, four-shot, five-shot leads whittled away uh, so often in the world of golf. But those par putts, to me, were really important. But everyone's different. What, what, what were your two moments or what few moments in her last round where you thought, wow, she's, uh, she's really in control here? Yeah, I think the first hole for me was a real key moment where she stood up there, first drive of the day, obviously very nervous, uh, hit a drive down the middle of the fairway and then hit an incredible three wood on the green and made an easy two-part birdie. Mm. Uh, I thought that sent a really good message to the rest of the field. I'm moving forward here. Come and catch me. And it also sent a great message to her playing partner that, you know, you need to start making some birdies. Uh, and then I agree with you. Those, there was about three or four clutch mm. par parts that she made, where in the past she probably hasn't been able to convert those key moments and it's probably let her down a little bit. Uh, she made a key, key putt uh, to win the Evian. It was about six to eight feet. Yeah, that's right. Um, and she made a lot of six to eight foot putts uh, yesterday, which, as you know, Marco, those par, par putts can yeah. sometimes be so much more important than birdie putts. Yeah, the momentum's so important in professional golf. She actually picked up 2.47 shots per round on the field in putting, which for Minji, I mean, we, we've watched her for years, Brad. I mean, she's a great hitter. Sometimes her putting can be problematic, but she seems to have turned that around right at the moment. Yeah, I think if you look back on Minji's career, she's had an incredible career. Um, but I think hopefully we see her continue to make those clutch putts under pressure or with pressure. Mm. And who knows, maybe we'll see four, five, six majors wow. in the next six, seven years. <laughs> hopefully she stays in the game that long. Take us into her swing. It's so pure and so many people talk about how beautiful it is, how 
brilliant it is. Have you seen that from when you first saw her? I mean, obviously it's improved, but has she always had those mechanics? Yeah, we actually watched a video from 2013 uh, last night of Minji at one of our golf camps. And if you looked at it, aesthetically it looks very similar. You know, how it functions is a little bit different, but it's so free-flowing and so natural. I know Richie Smith, her coach, and Ryan Lumsden, who's done a lot of work. Ryan Lumsden is her 3D coach, and those two have worked so hard over the years uh, in getting Minji to where she is today, technically. Mm. So, and Marco, you talked previously about Minji's pre-shot routine. It's something that's probably been very consistent over the years since she was young. It's very simple. Uh, it's very target orientated. It's, it's the, the best. Same. It's the best routine in golf, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. She, not only has she got the best swing in golf, she's got the best pre-shot routine in golf. Yep. Uh, There's just two weapons. It's a very powerful weapon, yeah. uh, especially when you're playing with pressure. Uh, you need to be consistent. Your mind and your thought process needs to be relatively consistent, and that can fluctuates fluctuate. But uh, I think those are really two key strengths of what Minji does. Brad, talk to us a little bit. Minji, the person, uh, you know, her mother, Clara, was a golf pro. Um, she takes it very seriously, walks along the side of the fairways watching Minji. Her dad is a very relaxed guy, a bit more like Minwoo. The, the two uh, children are, you know, Minwoo's like the dad. Um, Minji's a bit <laughs> like Clara, isn't she? She's very solitary. She practices on her own. She's a bit of a machine in some ways. You don't get that much out of her. You were with her at the Olympics. You know, you could see that, you know, she had the champion mentality. She she wanted to do things her own way, didn't she? Yeah, it's probably something that stands out with Minji that she is, she does do things her own way. She, selfish is not the right word, but it's someone that she knows what she wants to do. She knows what makes her good and she goes out and gets it done. Um, she's, she's an athlete that... Um, certainly loves the game, but loves the aspects of how to get better. And I think that's a very important part of what makes her so good. I can remember sitting in a van with her at an LPGA Tour event in Michigan. This is probably four or five years ago. And I could tell at that point um, she was struggling of her – it's lonely out there on tour. Yeah. And we all go through that period where you're traveling around the world and it looks glamorous on TV. You're playing for millions of dollars, but it's a lonely world out there. And I think what Minji and her team have done is put some really good structure around her to eliminate some of that loneliness factor. Having her brother over there is a big component of that, but her team has traveled a lot with her over the years. And I know the Australian Golf House has played a big role with having Luke Mackey over there, having a lot of Aussies over there that she can really connect to. And it helps remove a lot of that loneliness. I reckon you've touched on something brilliant there because, um, you know, growing up um, as a, an amateur, you saw all the good amateurs in, in the country. There were some great players who just didn't have the sense of adventure it takes to be a professional golfer and move to the other side of the world and, and, and enjoy it somehow. I mean, uh, it's interesting for me to hear you say that, and that that's part of the things that you're working on in your role as the high-performance manager. I mean, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. When has this stuff kind of been looked at, do you think? Because to me, it's pretty clear. I mean, I've seen a few really superb amateur players coming through who lacked that sense of adventure to go. I mean, at some stage, you've got to just pull the trigger and get going. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you've you probably seen a bit, don't you? Yeah, we have probably saw a little bit with COVID last two years where athletes were afraid to go. Yeah. And they were afraid of what the world would be in the US or Europe and, and what COVID would do, whether it would be getting sick or the challenges of travel. 
But athletes, eventually, this is we're in a situation where we don't have the luxury to compete in our home, mm. sleep mm. in our own bed. Where our sport, we have to be out there. You yeah. have to be out there competing. I remember watching, and I've told this story a couple of times. I remember watching the Australian. There was Australian Test cricket documentary. I think it was the Test. Yeah, it's really good. And I think it was Steve Smith. Steve Smith walked off, got out, walked off the field, walked up to the locker rooms, and the sports site come over to him, pat him on the back. Coach come up to him, pat him on the back. His players, his teammates come up to him, pat him on the back. Next minute, you've got the high-performance director going over there, showing him how he got out. And I look at a golfer walks off the golf course and they shoot 80. Everyone's happy in that clubhouse that they shot 80. The only person there that's hoping you shoot 68 <laughs> is your caddy. Um, there's true. no other support network mm. around It's very, you. very it's true. It's a lonely world yeah. for those golfers. It looks so it looks such so different when you watch Minji yesterday. Uh, collecting that two point or one point eight million dollar mm. check US, um, it's a very different world, Marco. And you've been there and lived it and breathed it. But our athletes, those are the challenges they face. Um, we, as a high performance program, a big part of what we deliver is guiding our athletes through that difficult journey, especially yeah, in the first right. five years where they don't have that structure system set up, where they need that support network to yeah. help eliminate the challenges. I remember when Cam Smith first turn professional, it wasn't about the golf that he was struggling with. It was everything outside the ropes there you go. that he had challenges with. Throw in money pressure as well in those first five years and the yeah. world is turned upside down. It is. And the money is, it's, it's important. There's a balance there and our program needs to find that balance of providing too much funding to those athletes where they don't lose that hunger and fight for the cash, but also providing the funding and support and structure that where you can give them a bit of a leg up um, where our athletes actually stay on the field for longer, opposed to saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore, I'm coming back home and quitting. Mm. So there's that little balance there we've got to find. Martin touched on it before with her brother, Minwoo and Minji. They're, they're poles apart, but can you take us into the mindset of, of the personality of Minji? Because she is quite shy and, and not a lot of us know really what she's like. Um, she's very Australian. Um, I can tell you that she loves a meat pie. She loves to sit down, <laughs> have a drink. She's so normal. But you'd love to see an Aussie brand stuck on her shirt That's or her bag. Point. She was wearing an Australian earring. Yeah, but I cannot tell you how Australian she is. Yeah. Um, she's such, you know, you spent time with her, Martin, at the Olympics. Mm. She's very driven. Um, she's such a driven person in everything she does. But when you actually outside the ropes, she's just an Aussie person who just loves to have fun and connect. just wanted to ask you about, uh, you've touched on this, but Golf Australia in particular is very big on mentoring Brad and the High Performance Program in particular has done a lot of work in this area. Now, Minji was part of the Kari Webb Scholarship Series, but there's a lot of other mentoring that goes on through the Cam Smith Scholarship. So there was a couple of uh, Queensland Academy uh, young fellas were with Cam Smith last week in a similar type of arrangement where they just spent time with him. And I know that you and other people at Golf Australia have set up uh, situations where uh, young players, when they go overseas, they get to practice with Adam Scott or they go and practice with Jason Day. This this all happens in the background, doesn't? No one ever hears about it. But we're trying to you know we're trying to play as a team, aren't we? Yeah, in it an is. individual sport. Yeah, it is one big happy team, ideally, that we're all trying to help each other. I think the big part of the mentoring program is what it does. It helps demystify how hard it is to be good, where 
and a young female athlete, 16 and 17 years old, spends some time with Hannah Green or Minji or vice versa with Cameron Smith, like the boys had experienced this week, or sorry, last week. What it does is that Cameron Smith has insecurities, Minji has insecurities. Our athletes need to see those insecurities that it's, yep, they're human. That's good. Yeah, you put them up on the TV and they're making millions of dollars and they're hitting incredible shots with pressure. But what it does, it helps demystify that they are human, they do make mistakes, and that, yep, it is difficult, but they're only human. So they're good. They're only an Australian. I think, and part of the experience for Minji was being the caddy for her brother, Minwoo. So at the Masters, I thought this was absolutely brilliant. She just sort of blended in. But he was, you know, the world number three or four she was at the time, and she's now world number three. That experience for her, how much do you think that impacted her in terms of being able to see what it was like for the men on the biggest stage in world golf? Yeah, I think it all plays a role in helping an athlete navigate their way through um, the challenges of being an elite athlete. You know, what Min, Min Wu experienced that week may not be something that Minji ever experiences. You hope one day there is a, a Masters for the women and, and Minji gets to experience the 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 enormous the, the enormous um, experience of what the Masters brings, the crowd, the media. And you hope Minji learnt from that experience and looked at the crowds and the, the media, that attention that she got at the US Open. I'm sure that all helps. So mm. every experience you get, you grab pieces of it and it only helps you as you go through your journey as an elite athlete. Some stats came up uh, afterwards. They do a great job uh, at the moment over there. You know, they, they have a look at the tournament. She's put on 20 yards with the driver in, in two years. Uh, and also we've touched on the putting which is in, in, and gone left hand below right. And yep. We used to call it cack-handed. But um, those two things, how much input do you have um, as the high-performance manager uh, when, when when you see those stats, I mean, extra twenty yards. I mean, that's that's four. That, that ends up being what I'm thinking at the minimum three clubs into every single hole. So instead of hitting the five iron, she's hitting an eight iron. I mean, those those sort of things just behind the scenes. Um, you must be very proud to see all those numbers. Yeah, I look at all the work that Ryan Lumston and Richie Smith uh, and their their other components of their service team have done to basically develop this elite athlete. There's so much work done behind the scenes. Yeah. There's so many hard mornings and nights and conversations on the phone between the physio, the strength conditioning coach, the 3D specialist, the coach. How are we going to make this athlete better? What Amazing. are the priorities? But I look at Minji, she's added 20 yards, but what it does, it actually gives her more opportunities at birdies. So those eight to 15 footers that now that she has a lot more of, she needs to start converting those. Because she's hitting shorter clubs in, she's going to have shorter parts. Well, she needs to start converting those. Otherwise, because you're putting so much more, you start thinking, well, I'm not making anything. Yeah. It, can, it can work against you. It can work it, against you. It can you. work against you in the yeah. end. Yeah. It's like if you're missing every green but getting up and down, you're thinking, well, I'm a great putter. So it can work. You've got to be very yeah. careful when that's, just the, that's where the team has to be on the same page. And that's where I think Minji and her team have done such a good job over the last, you know, eight to ten years. They're all on the same page. They understand what's important for Minji, what are the priorities, and the messaging is exactly the same. And that's the biggest part or the biggest challenges of working with athletes because you can have parents involved who may not be on the same page as the coach or the physio or an agent that's involved that may not be on the same page as what the coach wants or what the physio wants. Mm. So – a big part of our role is being, in a sense, you're being a case manager 
or a high performance manager to bring the team together. It's an integrated message. It's a powerful integrated message. And they know everybody knows what the plan is for that athlete. And sometimes oh, that it. plan can be uh, short term, sometimes it can be long term, but everyone's on the same journey. I love this stuff. Yeah, uh, that is just magnificent is. to listen to, Bradley. So people are confused because they, they think you're a coach and they think, you know, the high performance area is coaching, but it's actually value adding and drawing those things together, isn't it? Yeah, I'm far from a coach. Uh, my job is to put the right resources around the athlete and the athlete's team, and we simply value add. Now, our value add can be really large at certain parts of the athlete's pathway or it can be very small at a certain part of the athlete's pathway. The most important part is understanding what those key elements are and delivering on those key elements. Minji, as we celebrate this, the, her second major, it's the biggest of the women's five majors. She becomes the f- uh, one of six Australians who have won two or more. I read Richie Smith, her coach, said she could easily walk away in, in six months, potentially even in 10 years. How long do you think she'll continue playing? And, and do you think there'll be another major and a world number one? Yeah, look. I remember in that same conversation I had with Minji at Michigan, she said she wants to retire at 30. She had 30 in her mind. And she's 26. She's 26. I hope we've got another four good years in Minji where she can win another six to ten mm. majors, an Olympic medal. Um, I, I, I go down to the St Kilda football practice, the AFL team practice regularly because I live right next to the St Kilda footy ground and I take my daughter down and I marvel at the number of athletes that are playing that game. And I marvel at the number of athletes that are playing cricket. How does Minji inspire some of those athletes to come over to our sport? Um, Minji's done her role in winning and hopefully inspiring more athletes to play. As a sport, we need to work together to create environments where it is a more welcoming environment for our young female athletes to play. And hopefully we can get some of those athletes who inspire to play AFL or cricket or football to come to golf. Um, so we can have more athletes like Minji out there inspiring more others to play. Well, that's our job. So we've got to get out there and do it. Thank you so much, Brad. It was awesome to hear your insights. And we will check in with you at some other stage down the track as we go to a break and we'll be back with uh, some of the other news that happened this week with Martin Blake. Welcome back. And there's uh, some other news that's uh, been happening around the golf traps. Martin, there's a fair bit going on, but um, I want to ask you first about Travis Smythe. He just missed out on his maiden victory on the Asian Tour. Yeah, Trav, Trav's a great young fellow, uh, part of the uh, Golf Australia rookie program. And uh, out of Wollongong or near Wollongong, uh, yeah, finished second in, in the UK in that international series event there. Bogged the last hole from the greenside bunker, otherwise... Uh, would have got his first win, but he uh, he lost to Scott Vincent of Zimbabwe. And Trav, as part of that result, got himself into the LIV uh, Saudi Arabian Greg Norman Master Series, which starts this week in uh, at just outside London. Can I just put forward to this group? I just want to see a rave. I'm more interested in the money that's being spent than the actual golf, I think. I, I reckon once the tournament starts. That's pretty much the that, – that's the headline. Yeah, I just find it obscene. I mean, I don't blame the play. You know, I, I, could, I can't. In, you can't in all, blame all conscious. I can't blame a young player like Travis to go and play. No. Um, is it 150 US for running last? Uh, I believe Jed Morgan's going to play the full series. But, you know, our Australasian Tour players, the young players, they're all yeah. they're, they can play because the Australasian Tour is not on, and they they can go and play without sanction. Um, you know, Matt Jones, who's joined 
the tour uh, is another story because he's a PGA, yeah. US PGA Tour member. Um, we've got six players in the field this week because Kevin Yuan, who finished in the top 10, mm. is a young pro out of Sydney, finished the top 10 last week, so that got him in the field. Yeah. Uh, I, no, Wade Ormsby's in the field. So, look, uh, am I interested in it? Not particularly. Uh, I don't. I said to someone the other day, I don't think, I don't think it's a great look for golf when we're trying to um, – we're trying to – present golf as a game for everyone and it's an inclusive game and come and play and then you've got at the pro end you've got blokes picking up zillions of dollars and arguing about it like Mickelson. Bill Mickelson has joined the LOV by the way this morning. 200 million by the way. Two hundred uh, million dollar sign-on fee. Dust, yeah. Dusty one hundred and fifty has been reported. Just to put it in perspective, Tiff, um, Dustin Johnson how many multiple major winner, multiple tournament winner uh, on the PGA Tour? He's won over twenty times. His entire career earnings is seventy-five million US dollars. He's getting paid twice that as a sign-on fee. I mean, ha- how do you say no? And and because the, all the majors are entities under themselves, he'll be able to play in all the majors unless the majors all get together and say, "Okay, we anyone playing?" The, I don't think that's going to happen either. So we all understand. You know what? I, you know I can't cop. I can't cop the format. The format doesn't interest well, teams me. Teams and individuals. The form the format doesn't interest me one bit. They keep on talking about oh the format's going to be so good for all the fans. Well, I'm a, I'm a I'm a golf fan and I I am not I don't have any interest in seeing a new format every single week. Well, I, I can't cop the human rights and the gender yeah. equality and and then I know people go oh but if you bed down and actually look at it. There's a lot. There's a lot there behind it. So, hey, Grayson Murray, who's a US Tour pro, uh, Kevin Kevin Nah, who's another US Tour pro, has gone and signed, and he's resigned his PGA Tour membership because he said, "Well, if they're not going to let me go and play there, then I'm just quitting." Yeah. So he resigned. But Grayson Murray, in a tweet, did you see that? Mark? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've been blowing. You won't for a be while. missed. He said, they, "You won't be missed, Kevin. Our rounds will be twenty minutes faster. <laughs> Absolute classic." Yeah, I don't they've think got Grayson, a bit of history. Yeah. Grayson wanted to pick up. Otherwise, he he's not going to be missed either. I don't think because. I think he's about number 200 on the order of merit at the moment. Hey, what happened to Cameron Smith? Yes, Cam Smith. I thought we were going to get about three Australian wins on the weekend with Minji obviously saluting, but uh, Cam Smith led at one point of the Memorial Tournament. Um, Jack Nicholas's tournament then unfortunately fell away on the third day a little bit and then badly on the last day. So Plus six uh, at one stage in that last round. Yeah, he ended up finishing tied 13th behind uh, Billy Horschel. Uh, Anthony Quayle was fourth in Japan. Um, so he just, okay, he, he's keeps going really well at the he? moment. He just yeah. continues to play well in Japan. There was another Australian winner on the weekend. Go the on. St Andrews Lynx Trophy Ooh. was won by Connor McKinney hey. out of WA, <laughs> who is the reigning Australian amateur champion. He's a very good player, Connor, and he won the St Andrews Lynx Trophy at the home of golf with a 65 in the final oh. round. That, that'll, it's that's it's that's one of my nice. favourite amateur events. Standing up on the back of your neck. I missed out playing in it years and years ago. I was always jealous of the amateurs who got to represent their country and go over there and play. But to represent your country and to go over and win the thing. At St Andrews. At St Andrews. Yeah, just, well, it's hey, just Ke- another level. Tiff, you'd love this. Kelly Reynolds, yes. uh, Perth entrepreneur, has been appointed to the Golf Australia board. So that makes Now, you've got an, a male women. chairman, which is... Andrew Newbold. Yes. Then you've got a board of eight with four women, four men. That that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, that's look, how, the way it, it should be. That, yeah. That's the leadership, you know, that we've been we we want to establish here. We're talking about gender equality. It's a massive part of our new national strategy, and now the fact that we can actually go out and say yes, here 
at Golf Australia, our board is a is a fifty fifty, or a, mm. well, there's five and four if you if you add Andrew Newbolt. But we are walking the talk now, yeah, and that right. actually, I feel confident now being able to go out and do my job as head of female engagement and encouraging our golf community to have that gender equality lens. That I've got the backing behind me of something that stands up there and says, "Well, here we are. This is what we what we're up, we're all about." Yeah, you can't just you can't not walk the walk. <laughs> you no. would be a complete joke. So um, it's nice Great to news. see all the ducks are in a row, which is good. Last thing, Visionary of the Year, which is our monthly nomination of a club that's done brilliant work in female engagement, has been won for May by Woodlands Golf Club on the Sandbelt in Melbourne. Uh, they have done some amazing work, and I think, Tiff, we might have a chat in a moment uh, to Richard Tulberg, who's the general manager, about that. Yeah, absolutely. Richard, well, they were talking about how their numbers weren't even stacking up to what is quite – the poor numbers of men and women in terms of members at the club. So it's now 18 and 82, but theirs was down around 16. And they said, we need to do something about this. They took it to the board and have they done something about it? It is on the way up. We'll talk to Richard right after this. It's great to welcome Richard onto the show. Richard, talk talk to us about what you've actually employed at Woodlands to address the sliding scale of men and women members. Yep. Um, so men, man members, uh, we've been fine with it. Was the uh, it was the slide with the women's membership. Um, we identified back in 2019 that we were sliding behind the national average. So we had about 16.5%. Um, and so as part of our strategic plan, we put forward that we would um, by 2024 increase that number to 20%. At the time, I thought it's going to be it's going to be tough, but um, we came up with some initiatives and one of them was to do a um, an introductory package for women. So it gave them various clinics, uh, on-course lessons, um, play on the golf course, use of the facilities whenever they wanted for six months. Um, so I thought we might get, I don't know, 10 dozen people into it. We ended up getting 47 into the first, wow. first, first scheme. Um, and then of those 47, 29 joined the club. So what that did was increased us from 165 to 18.5%. And it also, it was 36% of our members that joined in that 18-month period were were women. So way above what we'd previously done. Came back again this year, and thankfully we haven't had lockdowns to um, (laughs) give us a a bit of a tough time. So we've got 42 women at the moment, um, of which we've already received quite a few applications for membership. So... I guess now it's um now that we've got them here, it's um it's looking after them, I think, because um, you know, new new women a lot of them are very new to golf. So we're just baby steps with them, getting them through, getting them on the golf course. A lot of them are organizing their own events. Are like you mentoring them, Richard? Yes, certainly, absolutely. So so the, the women's committee were integral in, in this, in um ensuring that we got all the people we we got the players um, into club life, so everyone was issued with an, a mentor. Mm. Um, obviously, it's difficult with so many people. You know, we that that was one thing that was a little bit little bit tricky. But um, we've certainly got everyone mentors now. Everybody gets to see somebody on a regular basis, and and if they can't see their own mentor, someone else will step in for them. So we we did feel that that was a very important part of the process to make sure that they did have someone there for them at the club. Richard, don't, uh, don't, I look at this and I just think with what you thought, you know, maybe 10 people will come through and you get 40-odd. Mm. Uh, isn't this the potential great growth area for golf? Mm. Isn't it looking at us in the face? Absolutely. I, and I think, but Mark, I think what 
what we haven't done is we 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 haven't marketed ourselves well to that. I mean, to to everybody in golf, and I think you know it's. Um, I've noticed since I've been at the club that men coming to the club assimilate much easier than what women do. So we need to work harder on it. But I think you're right. It's the same with any sport. You know, we there there is that market out there, but we just haven't hit it. And and now we're starting to hit it. And I know we're not the only club, by the way, that's that's doing well in this area. But I think it's just we've we've opened ourselves up a little bit more. We've been a little bit more. Um, transparent with them on what they what they can and can't do at the club, and we've really taken out what they can't do. And I think that's something that's, you know, as private clubs, mm. we've always had these rules in place. So we've, you know, whilst they still understand the rules, um, we've we've been lenient on them learning the rules there's, as opposed to. There's yep. more of an emphasis on fun. I wanted to ask you, Richard, how much of an impact has it uh, had on the dynamics of the club? Well. I, the perfect example was last Friday afternoon, you know, and it's it's taken a while for them to, I guess, assimilate with the rest of the membership because a lot of because they've come in as groups, they sort of they stick to the group that they've done their clinics with. Last Friday night, which would normally be a, a you know fire a cannon through the clubhouse at five o'clock in the afternoon, we had about thirty people in, of which about twenty of them were the women mm. that had either done the first clinics last year or the current clinics, sitting having a drink and um, you know having some food. It's just. It is a different dynamic from that point of view. Um, again, we're, we're still trying to get them into the competition golf. They're, a lot of them are, are ready. Some of them are actually playing competitive golf for the club, um, in, a, in into club, which is terrific. Mm. Um, so it's just um, – but, but yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. It's a slowly, slowly step. I think we're learning every time we do something. Mm. As I said, we, last year we got blown away and it sort of um, hit us by surprise. So it's um, it's nice this year that we're a little bit more organised and next year we'll be even more organised. So, Well, we congratulate well you, Richard and Woodlands. You're a great example to other clubs out there of what they can do and how they can make this game open for everyone and, and fun for all. You've won yourself uh, a $500 Drummond Golf voucher and now in the running to win up to $10,000 worth of products from the latest Callaway Reva product range, which is absolutely awesome. So congratulations and keep up the great work. Terrific. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Coming up after this, we've got Marco's Masterclass. This is one you won't want to miss. Marco, the amount of people that come up to me and say <laughs> they've improved their game because they're listening to your tips. I was actually at Moon and Links yesterday practicing my shoulder rotation, but you've got mm. something here. You gave us a little clue. What have you got today? Okay, so uh, not only has Minji Lee got probably the best swing in golf. She's got the best pre-shot routine in golf. It's very minimalist and it covers a lot of things you're supposed to do. Now, uh, I've been watching this game for a long time. Um, I can tell you this. If you're having your practice swing next to the ball, you can't play. I can just tell straight away. <laughs> and <me>. also, <laughs> if, if you are teeing – this will sound ridiculous, but if you are teeing the ball up, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about physically – putting the ball on a tee um, and your feet are on the same side as they would be when you hit the ball. So you're not standing behind. I also know you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Okay, so what you've got to do is when you tee the ball up, you've got to come in from behind the golf ball so you're looking straight down at your target. You tee the ball up that way, you take two steps back, then you have your practice swing, two steps behind the ball. Then... You look 90 down degree the, angle. Right? That is correct. Then you look down the line and you do something that's known as spotlining. So you don't line it up at something that's 300 metres away. You line the club up at something that's three feet away. So when you walk in then, you don't look at the target anymore. You're just walking and looking at your spot. 
and then you do your setup. And that is the most beautiful thing that I took out of the whole week. Minty Lee's pre-shot routine didn't change one bit. She kept her eye on the target all the way, and she's doing something called spotlining, which makes sure it guarantees that you align perfectly every single swing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, we'll tweet it out later. Uh, and you can have a look there. Ask golf show. But please, uh, just one really simple. If you're having your practice swing next to the ball, stop playing. Can you please stop <laughs> and, and, go behind, and go behind the it's ball and start having your practice swing back there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> See you guys. Yeah, good one.